I'm Sam Clements, and welcome to the 90 Minutes or Less Film Fest. This is a podcast that celebrates films with a 90 minute or less runtime and is entirely curated by guests on this podcast. Today, we're joined by comedian, writer, actor, director, radio presenter, Nick Helm. Did I miss anything, Nick? Hello. I don't know. I was just going through my copies of Army of Darkness, so I wasn't really listening. <laughs> You've uh, all round nice guys. <laughs> all around nice guy uh local legend <laughs> absolute hero nick Cole. Yeah, local legend that's right it doesn't really count if you have to suggest it yourself <laughs> um, we we're recording this during the lockdown in case it sounds a little bit different to to listeners um but hopefully not uh, we'll just keep that in for safety in case it, it does sound different but how are you doing nick you okay yeah it's really good to talk to you <laughs> um it's so, oh, it's so weird. It's so weird. Um, I've got, um, I live in, I live in an apartment, and I don't have a balcony, but my neighbours across the way do have a balcony, and they're always smoking. Um, they come out for a cigarette every twenty minutes, and it's always sort of like I'm always you know, half dressed, <laughs> <laughs> or I'm opening my curtains, and they're there having a cigarette, and I'm like, you know, they're like twenty feet over, uh, twenty feet away uh, on the third floor. We, st- we haven't broken. We haven't started saying hello to each other yet or waving to each other. We all just sort of like pretend we don't exist. Maybe that's a week but four I- activity, I think. Well, yeah, I bumped, into the- I bumped into them in the lobby the other day. I've never seen them on ground floor. And uh, we sort of like um, acknowledged each other for the first time ever. Huh? And, it- and it was weird. And then we went back to our flats and we've, cut- we've gone back to ignoring each other. But- never speak of that again. Yeah. It's a little bit like the uh, Dawn of the Dead remake when they're on the roof. Oh, yeah. Um, and they're friends with the guy in the gun shop over the way. Yes. Yeah, just start sort of, you have a set of binoculars um, yeah. and start waving to each other, elaborate flag signals. Yeah, and holding up signs, uh, shoot Burt Reynolds and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's so weird. It is really weird. It's like being in a disaster film but it's real life how have you used this time have you been watching extra movies or how have you been keeping yourself entertained i've got a deadline hanging over me and um and i'm finding it very hard to be as motivated and because it's just difficult to know well it's not difficult to know it's impossible to really tell and i'm not a scientist it's one of the many things that i that you didn't read out about me i'm trying to be productive i'm doing a lot of diy I also have this sort of like deadline hanging over me that I keep kind of like delaying. And, uh, and I always feel a bit weird about watching films when I should be doing something else. I rewatched Army of Darkness today. Hey, well, that's a, and what a concise runtime. <laughs> I saw the Australian TV version today, which is exactly 90 minutes. Oh, wow. So I gave myself half hour buffer to work out how Zoom worked on my laptop. And now we're here. So thank you for joining me. <laughs> so it's your, it's your show. <laughs> it's good to know. It's good to know. It's good to know what it went in behind the scenes. I'll start enjoying the apocalypse at some point. 
This is a podcast that celebrates films with a under 90 minute runtime. And you yourself have directed a short film. How was, how was that experience going from, I guess, stand up to doing the acting to then also directing a, a film? Well, I started out writing and directing theatre. And when I got into stand up, I just did that as a way of kind of like being able to write and perform with a faster turnaround. But when I did my short film, Elephant, me and Esther Smith, uh, we had a really fast turnaround for that. It had to be delivered for Valentine's Day, a week before Valentine's Day. And so we started writing it at like the first week of January. And then we had two weeks to write it, one week to film it. But we had two days to film it. I had one week to edit it, and then we delivered it. And um, that and my albums are the most satisfying things that I've done. Because you've got complete control over that in a way. Mm. If we're talking about runtimes, the first cut of Elephant was 29 minutes. Oh, wow. And we, and we knew it had to be like 10 minutes. And then we just cut it and cut it and cut it. It got to a point where it was like, not, like I said, it was like 9.55, 9.45. And it got to a point where if you added anything back in, it became less good. And if you took anything more out, it, again, the quality started deteriorating. So the edit is like the most fun part mm. because you're kind of like making it good. You know, you're taking your raw materials and you're making it good. And then that's very much the same with music, where you're in a recording studio and then you're sat mixing, uh, you know, all the instruments and all the vocals together and you're kind of, you know, you can do anything with it at that stage. Um, and it's exciting because you're not writing it and you're not coming up with inspiration. You're sat in the room and you're just creating something as good as you can possibly make it that film got nominated for a, a bafta for a short film and like it went on to that was you know which is it's huge success for a short film to be picked up like that if we're talking about it seriously because i lived in brighton for a year had a terrible year in brighton and i became best friends with this girl and she sort of like saved me from having the worst and i ended up moving back to london and I, uh, but I had like one terrible year in Brighton where the only thing that got me through it was my, me having like this best friend. And so I wanted to make it into a thing for a very long time. Mm. Like almost, I guess it was like 10 years. I was sort of like developing it. It was a play and then it was a feature and then it was a web series. And, it, you know, I just wanted to get it made. Pitched it as a, uh, as a TV series. And they said, we haven't got any slots, but we've got this 10 minute short. And I said, well, if it's only 10 minutes and it's online, can I direct it? Because no one's going to see it anyway. He said yes and uh, directed it uh, and wrote it with Esther because I didn't want it to be kind of like from a male point of view. I wanted it to be, you know, equal. I wanted it to be like it's a romantic thing, and I wanted I wanted Esther's voice in it. And then um, it was weird because we de we delivered it on uh, for Valentine's Day, and then literally the Baftas the next year were on Valentine's Day. Oh, wow. So it was just like this online thing, and then a year later we went to the Baftas, and like Leonardo DiCaprio was there, and Steven Spielberg, and I was single at the time. I took Gemma Whelan with me as uh, my my. She wasn't my date; she was married, but uh, she was my platonic date. And uh, we walked down the red carpet together, and she just started doing Game of Thrones, and everyone was like, "Gemma, Gemma!" And I was like, "I'm the one that's been nominated." <laughs> so you sit down, the show starts. We were right by the aisle, so we were just like, we've got a good chance of winning. They put us by the aisle. The short film category is the, like the third category to get announced. We don't win. And then you're sat there for like another four and a half hours. <laughs> and it's so long. <laughs> Steve, 
Stephen Fry comes out at the beginning, and uh, you go, oh my God, it's the it's like being in the telly. It's the actual BAFTAs. And then five hours later, Tom Cruise comes out as a special guest, and you go, yeah, 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 get on with it, mate. We're all hungry. <laughs> More recently, I've been listening to Fan Club on FUBAR with you and Nathaniel Metcalf, which is such a good show. Me and Nat will, would, would meet up and go to the pub, or we'd see a film. But whenever, or I'd be in Soho, and I'd walk, he used to work in Gosh Comics, and I'd walk past the comic shop, and I'd sort of like stand on the other side of the counter for an hour, just chatting to him about films. And we'd just always talk about films. And then I lived around the corner from FUBAR Radio, I was always their emergency guest. If um, <laughs> if like someone dropped out or someone was ill, they go, Nick, can you come in? And I'd be like, I was, I, li- I lived seven minutes away, so I sort of like just walk around the corner and I'd go in. And then I did it so often that they were just like, Hey, do you want your own show? And I was like, Absolutely not. <laughs> Me and Nat had been trying to get this podcast uh, started for like a long time off our own bat, and we're, not that we're lazy, but we're unorganised. They only had two film shows. Mm. So we said, oh, what if we do it about fandom and we do it? Because Nat had just done a show called Enthusiast. And they were like, uh, sure. But what does that mean? And we were like, oh, you know, like songs, comics, theme parks, toys. And they were like, sure. And then we got the show and then we just talked about films the whole time. Um, yeah, we love doing it. It just feels like you're having a proper, like a film conversation with your friends. Um, it's like very relatable, really fun. Um, and it's a good way to sort of boost up your to-watch list. They release it as a podcast as well, so uh, listeners, uh, do go find Fan Club on, uh, on FUBAR's feed. It's, uh, it's fantastic. We'll post a link in the show notes. Anyone who, who's listened to that show knows that you watch a lot of films, and I think anyone who's uh, sort of heard you speak know that you're, you're as a film fan. When you choose yeah. your movies, does runtime ever come into it? I like long films. Um, I didn't understand what all the fuss was about when people were going on about uh, The Irishman. Mm. I was just thinking, I literally, I think the, the thing about the, how long is the Irishman? Three and a half hours, was it? Or yeah, four hours? Three, three hours and 20 minutes or so. So I think the only downside about that is that it probably, it doesn't have as much rewatchability because you've basically got to clear out an afternoon, yeah. you know? And that's what I did. I was really looking forward to it. It was, I watched it in the new year, went to the shop and I bought myself uh, some ginger nuts and a bottle of, uh, a bottle of Fanta. <laughs> and, um, and I just sat and watched it. Uh, for, for, and I loved it. I loved the whole thing of kind of just sitting down and watching it. I loved the film. I thought it was incredible. Mm. You, what was I watching? I watched, um, this is an incredible film, an absolutely incredible film. I watched a film called Chairman of the Board, starring Carrot Top. And I think it's probably about 80 minutes long. And it just went on forever. I think it's one of the worst films I've ever seen. And I think that's, that's, that is, that's sort of unforgivable, not, um, not even being an hour and a half, not even almost being feature length and still outstaying your welcome. Yeah, I think that's the worst crime, really. Like, as long as you've got a good story, you, know, you can fill your story with a, in a three-hour runtime or an 80-minute runtime, as long as it's the right way to tell that story, then mm. absolutely fine with that. My, my rough thinking is... You know, I'm going to minimise my chance of seeing you know bad films by only looking at films under 90 minutes for this podcast. It's not true at all. It's this sort of like no. false economy. But I have found some good some good films in this doing this, and and also a few turkeys. Uh, one of the things about a 90 minute film, which is good, is that you can pretty much watch two a night if mm. you want to. 
For this show, Nick, we asked you to choose one under 90 minute film to add to our curated film festival. What did you mm-hmm. choose? After some thought, I've chosen Army of Darkness. I've chosen the UK European theatrical cut. 86 minutes long. 86, perfect. An epic horror fantasy pitting the armies of good against those of evil when a modern day hero is sent back in time. This film is the third segment of Sam Raimi's Evil Dead trilogy. What I really like about this whole series is how the films follow on directly from each other for Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2 and and then Army of Darkness. It's weird though, isn't it? Because they do follow on exactly but having watched Army of Darkness, re-watching I mean I watched <laughs> I watched the theatrical the UK theatrical cut a week and a half ago, two weeks ago. And I've watched the Australian cut today. And it only really occurred to me today that if I had gone to watch Army of Darkness as an Evil Dead fan, what a weird film it is. Mm. Because in terms of plot, they follow on directly. But in terms of tone, they're so different from each other. I think what I like about the franchise is they don't repeat themselves. Mm. Even when the second film is Bruce Campbell in a cabin again, the tone is so different uh, and what they set out to do is so different. One of the biggest criticisms about Army of Darkness is the fact that it's silly and it's not a horror film, really. And it's not a horror film. I think what I like about it is that it's it's a fantasy film. Mm. What I like about it is that when I first saw it, it reminded me of Jason and the Argonauts and Ray Harryhausen films that I watched when I grew up, which... I wouldn't just say that they were good films because I don't think they are particularly good films, the Jason the Argonaut films uh, and Clash of the Titans. I don't, think, I don't think they are particularly good films, but they are responsible for my love of cinema. Mm. I could put a pin in when Medusa came out in Clash of the Titans and I could say, or when he's fighting the skeletons in Jason the Argonaut, and you go, that is cinema magic in a way that CGI doesn't convey. It's the magic of cinema where it's, it, you can see the craft that's been put into it and, and you know, however it was repeated on TV. Also, Museum of Moving Image on the South Bank, when that was open, there used to be like a whole section on Ray Harryhausen and stop motion. And I, you know, I, I was always obsessed with film and practical effects. And I remember when I was in primary school, one of my school projects was doing a thing about... Um, special effects sequences with like wave machines and this is like late late 80s so like one of the lesser known ones is the the valley of grangi you've got this stop motion tyrannosaurus rex that's kind of like been uh been put into a scene with these live action uh, cowboys and that to me is magic so when i saw army of darkness i hadn't seen the other evil dead films i found horror from very disturbing so when I was growing up in London, whenever you got on the underground, there'd always be another Nightmare on Elm Street um, poster on the underground. And I remember having to shield my eyes because they gave me nightmares. I was so scared of Freddy Krueger. So I was actually a very timid, scared child uh, when it came to horror films. And, you know, just the implication of stuff would give me nightmares. Um, uh, so I kind of didn't really want to see the... Evil Dead films. So I didn't really know what they were. I think it was called Medieval Dead then. 
Yeah, the, in the UK, they, they released it under that title originally. Which I think is the better title. I think it's Sam Raimi's preferred title, but they wouldn't let him do it in the States. <laughs> it's a clever title. It's great. They wouldn't let him do it because it was universal at that point. They didn't want to associate it with the rest of the franchise because it was a different film mm. and they didn't want to put people off. So they were just like, no, this is its own thing, which doesn't make sense because they recapped the first two films at the beginning of the film and it's very much the third part. Well, going into it, you, there must be enough information for it to work as a standalone film. Mm because I loved it. But my first thing was, they used to have these free magazines that they had in cinemas. There was a picture of Bruce Campbell in Flicks magazine, or whatever it was called. There's nothing about the tone in the, in the, in the print, you know. So, so you don't know what the film is. And I just assumed, because it had dead in the title, that it was like Return of the Living Dead Part 3, which I hadn't seen. I'd just seen the picture of the, the zombie lady on the front cover that gave me nightmares and like you go into the video shop and you kind of like you'd i'd avert my eyes from the horror section and i'd just you know get steve martin films out every weekend and um uh and then um and then i think the other thing was that i had a neighbor that lived over the road uh who had like this comic book called total carnage it had uh, illustration of ash on the front cover with his chainsaw and then it was an illustrated comic book adaptation Amongst others, it was like a episode of a, a you know a larger book. It wasn't even illustrated; it was painted. They they'd done these beautiful paintings, and again, the tone isn't there. It looked horrific, but I, I was interested in it. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. See this? This is my boomstick. The 12-gauge double-barreled Remington, S-Mart's top of the line. You can find this in the sporting goods department. That's right, this sweet baby was made in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Retails for about $109.95. It's got a walnut stock, cobalt blue steel, and a hair trigger. That's right, shop smart. Shop S-Mart. Army of Darkness came out in 1992, mm. so by the time it got to the video shop, it must have been 1993, so I was about 12, and I remember we were going to see, we'd been on a family holiday to Florida, and we'd been to Disneyland, and we were staying in a, like a motel, and they had a vending machine video shop, and we rented out Beauty and the Beast. I've got like a vivid memory of falling asleep during Beauty and the Beast. And I loved the film. It was like a proper, I think it's, I think it's one of, I think it's probably one of my favourite films. And I remember that because we'd done that, we were going to go and see Beauty and the Beast on ice at Wembley during the half term. And we were sort of killing time. And so we went to the video shop and there was this, Thing and it was uh, it was a red cover and it had this muscly man with brown leather straps like across his chest and he had his arms up in sort of like a V shape. One of his hands was a chainsaw. It didn't give you like much information, but then the the tagline was trapped in time, surrounded by evil, low on gas. And I thought that was funny. Mm. Just remember, I just found that funny. And so we rented it out. I watched it that afternoon. And then we went to see Beauty and the Beast on Ice and I just wasn't into it at all. I was like, and I think that was the moment my childhood ended. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I was like, there's a, it blew my mind. I thought it was the most exciting film I'd ever seen. There's so many 
shifts in gear mm. in uh, Army of Darkness. There's so many. It's like they've got they've got like eight ten minute sequences that have all been stitched together. You know, um, and it's so funny. And I've never seen sort of a hero like that who's such an asshole. And Bruce Campbell is so cool. He's good looking. He's uh, charismatic. He's cool. I've never seen him in anywhere, but you just think this guy's an A-lister. Mm. How have I not seen him in anything before? You know, he's basically Kurt Russell in Big Trouble in Little China, but um, he's just absolutely like just absolutely incredible in this film. And you just think, well, this guy's if this guy's not a big star, then he's gonna be a big star. Uh, and it's just so consistently funny. It works as a comedy. It's a fantasy. There's bits of horror in there. I didn't really know what I was watching, so I was sort of scared about it because I thought, what if it's too gruesome? And mm. um, and it wasn't, and I just loved it. I just thought it was so funny. I just watched it over and over and over again. It had the um, Planet of the Apes ending where um, he sleeps too long and ends up in the future. And um, uh, and I just watched it over and over and over. I think I must have got it like 30 or 40 times. Oh, wow. <laughs> and you know, back in those days, you'd sort of like you'd watch it in the evening, and then you'd get up early on Saturday morning, and you'd watch it on in the morning, and then you wanted to get the most out of the rental. But I watched it so many times that my mum ended up buying it for me on VHS without me asking. <laughs> I ov- I must have talked about it a lot, but I'm not sure how much I talked about it to my parents. But obviously, my mum was renting it out for me a lot, mm. and it was two pounds fifty a go, and she obviously just rash reasoned with herself that thirteen ninety nine from Woolworths. <laughs> Eventually, he's going to save. It will pay for itself. Good. Bad. I'm the guy with the gun. I think Bruce Campbell's the best in Army of Darkness. Absolutely. In the other two, or in the second one, you see his like physical side. He has a lot of slapstick, which is great, and he's very physical. And he doesn't in really the one. in the second one. He doesn't, but he doesn't really yeah. have a lot of. He doesn't really have a lot of character. He doesn't really have a lot of lines. But in this one, you get the wisecracking, the cool delivery of the lines, as well as some slapstick and some action. So I totally agree. The character changes so much from the first film. Mm. Uh, the second film is sort of like the next stage where it's a, it's got a foot in each camp, really. And then the third film is so unrecognisable. What I liked about the TV series was that they actually brought the horror back, mm. but also they take the character that you know as Ash. Like He doesn't even need to have a character. He doesn't need to have a name in the first one, really. No. He's a generic teenage guy. But by the time you get the third one, he's like this, like, oh, my God, this character is incredible. Second one is like you have a bit of that. Like you say, you have the slapstick scene where he's hitting himself over the head with the plate and he's flipping himself over. And he does sort of all the Buster Keaton stuff and he goes, this is incredible. And he's got some one-liners. But then it cuts to the other lot. It cuts to them like every, you know, 10, 15 minutes. And I find those characters so boring. I find with Evil Dead 2, the film comes to a screeching halt every time Bruce isn't on screen. And so when you got to Army of Darkness, he's never not on screen. He even plays the bad guy, you mm. know. And it's called Bruce Campbell versus Army of Darkness, you know. So they kind of worked, they worked out that, do you know what? It's, it's the Bruce Campbell show. We'll just put him in every single scene and we'll make it all about him. And uh, every single character, uh, extra character is orbiting around this Bruce Campbell character. My friend had Sky Movies in like 1995. My friend James Norris at school. I haven't seen him in a very long time. I didn't have a lot of friends. 
but I think we became friends, me and James, through Army of Darkness, and we were just comparing notes and talking about our favourite bits, and you know, we were so excited about meeting someone else because no one had seen Army of Darkness it's before, before the internet. If you liked Army of Darkness, I think one of the reasons why I like Army of Darkness so much, same reason why I like Alice Cooper so much, is that no one else was listening to Alice Cooper. I found Alice Cooper all by myself. That's not true. My friends uh, uh, lent me a, 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 a tape. Oh, my sister was had, had trash or something like that. But again, I was scared of Alice Cooper because I was a timid, scared child. And when I found out that Alice Cooper actually had this sense of humour to it, that's when I fell in love with it. But by, by 1994, 93, when I got into Alice Cooper, I was the only kid in my class in my school that liked Alice Cooper. And so it was a very lonely thing to be a fan of. And it's the same with Army of Darkness and Bruce Campbell. It's just like, what's your favourite film? Who's your favourite actor? Bruce Campbell. No one had ever heard of him. Mm. And then you meet this one other kid at school and you're talking about Army of Darkness with each other. And then you go, and the ending's good, isn't it? When he wakes up in the future, I think they should make another one. You know, Evil Dead 4, where it's in the future. And he goes, what are you talking about? And you go, you know, at the end, when he wakes up in the future, yeah, it'd be a really good fourth film, wouldn't it? And he goes. He doesn't. He doesn't wake up in the future. He 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 ends up in a supermarket. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And it's kind of like, and it's so weird that it just came up through through having a conversation. But you know, he'd seen this film that had a completely different ending to it. That must have been mind blowing. <laughs> yeah, it was because you just because it's the same film, and you're just like, you know, I grew up when uh, when Batman came out. There were kids at, at school. This is primary school kids at school and it was really weird if you think back on it it's just, but not even if you think back on it at the time it was weird you'd have a kid at school that swore blind he had a time machine and that he'd seen batman 2 and robin williams was the riddler right <laughs> and you just think well that's bullshit <laughs> you know a, a nine-year-old kid that's bullshit mate <laughs> you know um but so this guy's like talking about this ending in the supermarket and you go you're lying <laughs> You know, I've been suckered in by the time travelling Batman 2 with Robin Williams. So, you know, he tapes it off TV and lends it to me and I watched it and I had this different ending. The different ending, the supermarket ending, not as good as the um, apocalyptic ending. But the, super, the supermarket ending is the reason why in Japan the film is called Captain Supermarket. I love that title so much. And the poster for it. Have you seen the poster? Because uh, his name's Bruce Campbell. So uh, we're in the American poster, he's standing on a tyre. Mm. And in the uh, Japanese poster, they've because of the shape of the tyre, they've turned it into a tin of Campbell's soup. I think the full title is Entrails of the Dead in Japan as well. So it's Entrails of the Dead, Captain Supermarket. Is it really? That's so cool. <laughs> it's, it's so cool. I mean, it's so cool. But yeah, so then you, you see that there's this film with an alternate ending and it's kind of like, oh, right. And I, I, what I loved about it was it was more, more Bruce Campbell. You know? mm. Like to the point where I'd, uh, I watched Dark Man and just having those three seconds at the end of Dark Man where it's Bruce Campbell, spoiler alert, and you just think, well, Bruce Campbell should have been Dark Man. Mm, 100%. Liam Neeson's fine in it, right? But Bruce Campbell... Like Liam Neeson is doing silly, and Liam Neeson doing silly, it doesn't uh, it doesn't feel like quite a natural fit. Whereas if Bruce Campbell was doing silly, I mean he absolutely could have pulled that off. I reckon that would have made him a star. And especially when he puts the Bruce Campbell mask on at the end of Dark Man, 
and he walks up. So when they made the sequels, the the with Arnold Vosloo, you know, what the f is Arnold Vosloo doing in this? It should be, it should definitely be Bruce Campbell. Hello, I'm Martin Zotzorstwick. And I'm Sam Hay. And together we make a podcast called Song, Song by Song. Song. But we don't do it alone. Almost every week we have a guest. And we've had some wonderful guests, including writers John Ronson. John Hodgman. Simon Stevens. We've had uh, musicians Eliza Rickman. Uh, Jenny Conley-Drizos from The Decemberists. And Jeremy Wormsley and Elizabeth Sankey from Summer Camp. Uh, we've had podcasters Jenny Owen Youngs, Jeffrey Craner and Phoebe Judge. All sorts of people join us to talk about the music of Tom Waits. And if that sounds fun, why don't you join us too? You can do that at our website, songbysongpodcast.com, or search for Song by Song wherever you get your podcasts. I had such this big, massive effect on my life where I just, to the point where there was no internet. And then if you wanted the internet, it got introduced to the IT department at school. And my IT teacher, uh, Mr. Kale, Richard Kale, he had the internet and he said, oh, there's this thing called Ask Jeeves. <laughs> And if you ask Jeeves anything, he'll give you the answer. And so the very first time I used the internet was to look up Bruce Campbell's filmography on IMDb. It's the first thing I did. Like, I, I don't know if you remember the first time you used the internet, but I got a printout of it. <laughs> and I kept it for years. I had this printout of his entire filmography. And every time I saw a film, I'd cross it off. To the point where you couldn't get the films, there was this thing called Black Star Video. And um, when I went to university, and you would type in a film, like let's say it's Waxwork 2 or Sundown, Vampires in Retreat. And so you would find these obscure films on this uh, list. You would pay $16.99, and Black Star would go off and they would find it. And you know, six months later, they'd send it you in the post Crikey. for $16.99. And you'd get this VHS of this, and I've still got them all, you know, of all these VHS, Briscoe County Junior Pilot, which was feature length. Uh, and even before that, in 1996, Escape from LA came out and Bruce Campbell was in it. Mm. A wasted cameo. Mm. It's like he's called the Plastic Surgeon General. And he sort of plays it straight. He's got all this makeup and it makes him look like he's got plastic surgery. He's in it for three minutes. Yeah, it's sort of a disappointing thing. It's just it was a very lonely thing being a Bruce Campbell fan <laughs> because you literally have to scavenge for for scraps and morsels. It feels like he was dealt a real bad hand. Like he's he's such a good performer, but he just hasn't for whatever reason didn't become that that leading man or that character actor that he should have been. Yeah, it's really weird. I think like uh, before Tim Burton did Batman, I heard a rumor that Sam Raimi was up for maybe doing the Batman, and if he had done Batman, then uh, Bruce Campbell would have been Bruce Wayne. And you think, that's almost perfect. Mm. Because at that time, you know, you put a picture of him and Michael Keaton next to each other, and you go, which one looks like Batman? And you go, well, Bruce Campbell. I love Michael Keaton, but, you know. I, yeah, it's just kind of like, I think there's like this parallel world where Bruce Campbell had a, a different career. I'm sure he's very happy, but um, it feels like we were robbed of amazing performances, especially when you look at stuff like uh, Liar Liar, mm -hmm. uh, Jim Carrey and Liar Liar, and you feel like, I feel like, there's a bit when he fights with his hand in Liar Liar, and you go, I feel like this is Bruce Campbell's thing that you've taken here. There's a film festival in Edinburgh called Dead by Dawn, mm. and they showed Bubba Hotep, and I missed that film festival. And then the next year, because it was such a big success, they re-showed Bubba Hotep, but they re-showed it at the end of a 24-hour 
horror film marathon. So it was the last film after 22 hours, then they showed Bubba Hotel. So I remember I stayed in that cinema all night. I think the film that they showed just before Bubba Hotep was Poltergeist. And I hadn't seen Bubba Hotep. And Bruce Campbell is the lead. Mm. He's playing uh, elderly Elvis in a retirement home fighting a mummy with, uh, with Ozzy Davis, who's a, a black guy that thinks he's JFK. And um, I waited all night, hadn't had any sleep. And then I watched Bubba Hotep and I... He's so good in that film. It's not a perfect film, but he's so good in that film that I cried. Wow. I was so I was so proud that he'd finally, you know, got a home run. Yeah, just just absolutely incredible. But like so so it kind of it's kind of like like I had a theatre company and we called it uh, I called it Bad Ash Productions <laughs> because my first few plays were produced under this theatre company called Bad Ash Productions because of you know good ash and bad ash from army of darkness and and my my production company now is called fancy pants a because uh i've got a song called i fancy the pants off of you but b because of the quote from army of darkness where he says well hello mr fancy pants and it's kind of like yeah so i called it fancy pants productions because it was kind of like the next step on from badash Productions. so it's kind of like so th- these films that actor that director sam raimi They've had such a huge influence on my life. I just love them so much. Yeah, I've just watched the DVD extras on Army of Darkness today. Uh, and uh, there's a way that Sam Raimi talks when he's on set and he's doing like the behind the scenes videos. And he just seems like a real like old fashioned showman. You know, the way he's describing his films, he's, he's talking about Evil Dead and he makes it sound like the most wholesome entertainment. That it feels like all American, wholesome. I just love Sam Raimi's style, you know? And I love that what they all did. They were all teenagers and they made this franchise which has affected so many lives. You, sir, are not one of my vassals. Who are you? Who wants to know? I am Henry the Red, Duke of Shale, Lord of the Northlands and leader of its peoples. Well, hello, Mr. Fancy Pants. I got news for you, pal. You ain't leading but two things right now. Jack and shit. And Jack left town. So, Nick, how many different versions of Army of Darkness do you have? There's the US cut, which is 81 minutes. There's the UK cut, which is 86 minutes. And there's the director's cut which is 92 minutes. And then you've got the Australian, which is insane, which is uh, 90 exactly. And then the final version that I've got is this German ultimate Army der Finsternis ultimate edition signed by Bruce Campbell. Incredible. That was the second time I met Bruce Campbell. There's a, there's a comedian called Rob Kemp who he got the best newcomer for uh, Edinburgh a couple of years ago where he did the Elvis Dead. He recreated Evil Dead through Elvis songs. I saw that at, um, at Mac. You saw it? Yeah. It was it's incredible, right? Really, really loved it, yeah. It was, he's and he's so, incredible as well. <laughs> he's, well, he's so good looking. He's so tall and good looking. Like, um, he was doing Elvis Dead and I saw him across the courtyard. He was dressed up as Ash and I was just like, I love Evil Dead. I came to see his show. Uh, posed for I went with Mike Bubbins and we posed for him afterwards and uh, 
uh, with his chainsaw and we became friends and then last year I wrote a musical and I put him in my musical and we're friends now and uh, I love I love him and anyway Bruce Campbell was doing a signing at Forbidden Planet um, a couple of years ago this links back to my sad story about Bruce Campbell but uh, you know I mean if you've got time at the end I'll tell you mm-hmm. but basically for, for reasons I had a copy of Briscoe County Junior box set of the TV, the cowboy TV series that Bruce Campbell did. Um, and I had a copy of this ultimate edition of Army of Darkness, German edition. And I wanted to get Briscoe County Junior signed to make up for something that had happened. <laughs> Intriguing. But Rob said, basically, what would mean more to you, though? getting Army of Darkness or Briscoe County Junior signed because you're allowed one thing signed and I was just like well I suppose at the end of the day Army of Darkness is the only thing that I really want to get signed so I got this it's a six disc set and it contains a blu-ray of the American cut and a DVD of the American cut and a blu-ray of the director's cut and a DVD of the director's cut and then a DVD of bonus material. This, is, this has taken years and years of hunting, you know, since, certainly since university. I graduated in 2002, so I think maybe the last time I'd seen it up until recently was 1999, 2000. Oh, wow. Maybe the last time I saw my, the cut that I loved. Mm. You know? And then it's also got the European cut on it, of course, because it's a German thing. And it's this beautiful disc, and then it's got a whole DVD with like a feature-length documentary on it. It's an amazing disc. It's all in German, though, so it's kind of like difficult to work out what you're pressing on the DVD screens. But it's yeah, it's it's incredible. So what's that? I think that's I think that's ten versions, and I think there's eleventh there's an eleventh version in some storage unit that I've got somewhere. And then of course I've got the Evil Dead, the Evil Dead remake, and the. Um, Ash versus Evil Dead uh, TV series on uh, Blu-ray and DVD. And then, of course, what happened was Film 4, last year, they, sh- they had the a, a Army of Darkness night out of nowhere. So I guess what's happened is the people that grew up with it on VHS are now running the companies. Yeah. And so <laughs> Film 4 showed, had an Army of Darkness night where they showed ugh, the director's cut, didn't they? They only went and showed the bloody director's cut. But they also showed the uh, theatrical release and I was like right okay well they've shown the theatrical release it'll be the US theatrical release and it wasn't they showed the UK theatrical release and I taped it on my skybox and now it's on my TV recorded oh incredible I can watch it it whenever I want so what a waste of money (laughs) what a waste of life what a waste of money. I've devoted 15 years to hunting down, 20 years, 20 years to, to, to hunting down the, my preferred version of my favourite, my favourite childhood film. Probably not my favourite film really now, but it's the one I've spent the most time watching. Yeah, and then it's just, it, was, it was just happened to be on telly the other night. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, to, just to finish off with the thing, so your show is about a, 90, a, a film that's under 90 minutes. Yes. My point is that not only is Army of Darkness under 90 minutes at its best, at its worst almost is the director's cut, which is 92 minutes. The Australian cut has got a lot to offer, which is exactly 90 minutes. And this goes into what we were talking about with Elephant uh, at the beginning of this long chat. But what we were talking about when we were talking about my short film was like if it was longer, if it was shorter, it found its own runtime. Do you know what I mean? 
-hmm. We didn't say it, it had to be 10 minutes, but we didn't say it had to be 10 minutes. It just so happened that at nine minutes, 45 seconds, that was where the film felt at its best. And with Army of Darkness at 86 minutes, I think that is the best version of it. You've got a podcast which is all about runtime. And this film is a classic only when it hits a specific runtime. And all of the others are kind of like a head scratches or anomalies or companion pieces where you go, that's interesting. And, and you can watch it with either ending. Mm. It's probably the only film in the festival now which uh, has all of these, like what could have been uh, sort of versions out there, you know. So in the festival, we'll put your version in, your preferred version, to make it canon. So we'll have the 86-minute version of it. But I guess if anybody was to see it at our festival, they they can do the same thing that you've been doing and can see, you know, ah, uh, 90 doesn't work, 81 doesn't work. Um, and they can sort of go on the journey and find out what works for them. Well, it's interesting that we've been talking for five hours about Army of Darkness and not once have I mentioned the plot. <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> It's it's uh, it's all it's all been the technical side of it and what it's meant to me. Groovy. Have you got time to hear this story? Uh, yeah, we'd love to hear the story. Um, I've never told this story before uh, on any podcast, so this is sort of an exclusive. It's a very personal story. So I've got everything. I've got every single box set and DVD of Bruce Campbell. Right? I've got like ten or eleven copies of Army of Darkness, and I've got multiple copies of Evil Dead, and. Uh, Evil Dead 2, and I've got, you know, but on top of that, I've got Jack of All Trades, which was his TV series. I've got VIP on a uh, box set, which is Pamela Anderson's TV series that she had after Baywatch that he directed a few episodes of. You know, I've got Xena, Hercules, I've got Congo, you know, Escape from LA, I've got everything. And I've also got a box set of Briscoe County Junior, which was his science fiction uh, cowboy series that he made in the mid-90s. He made, I think, just after Evil Dead. I think it was a Warner Brothers uh, syndicated TV series. They released the pilot, which was a feature-length pilot on VHS. Uh, so I'm just a huge, massive fan of him, you know. Uh, and I remember when I was at university, I wrote to him. I emailed him, and he emailed me back. He didn't email me loads, uh, but it was like a, a one or two sentences. But, uh, you know, that just meant loads to me. Mm. Ash vs. Evil Dead is, is being made, and no one can believe it. And the trailer comes out for it, and you go, oh, my God, the trailer for Ash vs. Evil Dead is incredible. I must have watched it, like, you know, 50 times, you know, just over and over again, just, oh, my God, he's back. He's, you know, not just Bruce Campbell. It's Bruce Campbell as Ash. And it's like the you know the first time you've seen Ash, other than the terrible computer games in in you know the, what tw what is it? It's twenty five years, and I've got a friend uh, in Los Angeles who um, I met through comedy, uh, and she's a comedy agent. Uh, she knows that I'm a big Bruce Campbell fan, and she gets in contact, and she says I've got tickets uh, for the premiere of Ash versus Evil Dead at the Chinese theatre on Hollywood Boulevard at Halloween. Uh, do you want to come to the grand premiere of it? World premiere. And I'm like, for a TV shows, I'm not going to Los Angeles to watch half an hour telly. <laughs> you know, I, I can't afford that, you know. It's like however much. 
But then she tells me about it and I'm just like, oh, I'm thinking about it. There's going to be an opening ceremony that's performed by Iggy Pop, right? And my, my bass player from uh, Nick Helm and the Helmets is also Iggy Pop's bass player, right? So I message him and I say, Ben, he's called Ben, Ben Ellis. Hello, Ben. And I message him and said, Ben, are you opening for, uh, with Iggy Pop for the Ash vs. Evil Dead premiere in Hollywood Boulevard? And he goes, yeah, I don't really know what that's about. And I'm like, oh, yeah, um, okay, right, well, that's a coincidence. Uh, and I thought, well, that's a sign, right? I mean, I wasn't going to go because I was sort of like really scared about spending however much money on a, pl- a plane ticket. And, uh, and I phoned my mum up and she goes, Nick, how, how long have you... Have you loved Bruce Campbell and how long have you loved Army of Darkness and Evil Dead? And I said, since 1992. She says, Nick, that's 25 years. That's over half your life. And I was like, yeah. She goes, you know, like you, this plane ticket's like a thousand pounds. And I was like, yeah. She goes, spread that over 25 years. And I was just like, oh yeah. If you think about it like that. Mm. So, and I couldn't believe out of everyone, my <laughs> mum was the one that was telling me to do it. So... Uh, so I, I went and I went to the, I went to the premiere. It was amazing. So what they had they had all these banners. They they closed off Hollywood Boulevard, even Army of Darkness. You know, at the at, at its biggest, it was a universal picture. Even even Army of Darkness wouldn't have had a Hollywood premiere like that, right? They closed off Hollywood Boulevard. There were huge banners for Ash versus Evil Dead everywhere. He lives in a trailer in the in the series. They've uh, got a replica trailer that's like a haunted house that you're allowed to walk around a chainsaw on the wall there are demons that are popping out of stuff they've recreated kind of like his trailer park on hollywood boulevard you're outside graham's chinese theater then there's an after show party that's at um the roosevelt hotel which is the most haunted hotel in hollywood right so it's so exciting it's kind of like i I remember i'm really excited and nervous what if it's shit you know and uh she introduces me to all these industry people and they're all like oh, you know, he's going to be here tonight. And I'm saying, what do you mean? They said, well, Bruce is going to be here tonight. I was like, oh, cool. They said, well, you can probably meet him. And I was like, I don't want to meet him. And they're like, yeah, but you could, you could what do you mean you don't want to meet him? I said, I don't want to meet him. I, I, I'll fuck it up. I don't want to meet him. Because they said, never meet your heroes. And I'd say 25% of the time it's because they're an asshole. And 75% of the time it's because you're an asshole, right? And you, you want to be cool. You want to give off a good impression of yourself. So I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to meet him, right? And they're like, yeah, but you could meet him. And I'm like, don't do this. I don't want to meet him. I'm just here to see the, the episode. It's not half an hour. It's a pilot. So it's an hour mm. directed by Sam Raimi. Great. And uh, so we're all waiting to go in. We're in the queue and uh, Iggy Pop's, Iggy Pop's about to come out. Bruce Campbell comes out on the stage. He's like, got like this velvet jacket and uh, comes out on the stage and he goes, Ladies and gentlemen, Iggy Pop. And he introduces not only Iggy Pop, but my mate onto the stage. And they play like this half hour concert. We all go into the, the cinema. Bruce Campbell comes out. Lucy Lawless comes out. I think Ted Raimi might have been there. We watched the episode. I'm so overwhelmed, you know. I've, I've rewatched it and it's good, right? But this is as good as all of my imaginations uh, over the years has been, right? And I'm almost in tears. I'm overwhelmed by it. I love it so much. I can't believe it. And I'm so relieved. 
and uh, and then we go to the after show party at the Roosevelt Hotel. So it's kind of like a mixture of industry and fans and stuff that are at this after show party. And Iggy Pop's not around, but my mate Ben is there. And so we're sort of like chatting and it's kind of, and he doesn't, he, he's never seen an Evil Dead film. He doesn't know who Bruce Campbell is. He's got no clue about any of this. And we're just all chatting. And then I'm with this, uh, this agent. And then they go, there he is. And we look over and like 20 feet away, Bruce Campbell is basically mingling. He's going up to groups of people and he's talking to them and he's doing like selfies. And he's just sort of like schmoozing, you know, he's giving them like a moment of his time. And, uh, you know, and it's weird as well, because like 10 feet behind him, there's like this security guard that's following him, you know, just to make sure that nobody attacks him or smothers him or whatever. And they're like, he's over there, you go and talk to him. And I'm like, I don't want to talk to him. I don't, I don't want to talk to him. I'm creative. I want to write stuff and do stuff. And I also, you know, if I do meet him, I don't want to meet him as a fan. I want to meet him as someone, you know, I don't want, don't want to just be, feel like I'm easily dismissed. If I do meet him, I want to meet him on my own terms. Mm. And if I don't meet him, I'm fine with that as well. But they're like, go and meet him, go and meet him. I'm like, I don't want to meet him, I don't want to meet him. And then eventually they say, go and do it. And I'm just like, oh, fucking hell, it's now or never. Right, okay. And he's, there's a moment where he's not talking to anyone and he's sort of like stood on his own, but he's between, but he's just finished with one group of people. And he's sort of like, uh, 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 he's got his back to me, like 10, 15 feet away. And he's sort of like, he tenses up like a cat. <laughs> and he sort of like slowly turns around and he makes eye contact with me. And I'm like, uh, and I go, I gesture like, can I come over? And he goes, yeah, come over. And I go over and I just say, look, I'm, uh, I'm a really huge fan. I've come over from London uh, to see this tonight. Uh, I've always been a, a massive fan. Uh, I don't want to take up any of your time. You, you've meant a lot to me over the years. And would it be all right to get a selfie? And he goes, yeah. And he takes my phone and uh, we pose and he just takes one photo and it's this perfect photo of me and Bruce Campbell he looks cool he looks incredible I look sort of like starstruck but I don't look like an idiot and it's just this really cool photo that Bruce Campbell took with my phone mm. and there we are stood together and it's just so cool and I don't overstay my welcome I'm uh, oh I say uh, a little bit of uh, something we've got in common. My mate uh, is the bass player for Iggy Pop. And he, he played tonight. And he goes, oh, great. And he talks a little bit about Iggy Pop and the fact that Iggy Pop's from Detroit. And, you know, that's where they all started out. Detroit, Michigan, that's where Evil Dead is set and all of that. And, you know, we have like a thing that's not nerdy to talk about. It's 30 seconds. Mm. In and out, nail it. I go around the corner, I'm out of shot, I go to the, uh, 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 and my legs buckle and um, I have to grab hold of the bar because I almost collapsed, right? Because I've just met Bruce Campbell, right? And I'm like, fucking hell. So I have two large vodka sodas uh, in a short, a quick succession. They hit me hard. <laughs> And I see, I see Ben, and I go over and I'm talking to Ben, and Ben's just like going, I'm saying, I've just met Bruce Campbell. He goes, how was it? And I said, like, it's incredible. He goes, you know, I don't even know who Bruce Campbell is, really. 
And as we're talking, Bruce Campbell does a lap of the entire room. And then he comes into the VIP area and he starts talking to other people and he approaches Ben, right? And we're mid-conversation, right? And Bruce Campbell comes up to Ben and he sort of, it's really weird because me and Ben are talking and Bruce Campbell interrupts our conversation, right? But he doesn't look at me, right? He's sort of like, he's got tunnel vision. He's just talking to Ben, mm. but he refuses to acknowledge that I am another person that is, so there's three of us standing there, right? He has joined our group, but he is only acknowledging one person. I don't know whether that's because I've had my moment and now he's giving someone else their moment or, but I'm just like, I've had interactions with people in the past. You know, I've talked to people. Oh, there's one thing that happened before this, which was uh, this producer came over and she says, oh, did you meet him then? I said, yeah, I met him. She goes, how was that? She knew I met him. She saw me meet him. Mm -hmm. She goes, how was that? I said, it's great. She goes, did you tell him how much you loved the, the, sh the, the show? I said, no. And she goes, why didn't you tell him that you loved the show? And I said, well, he knows, right? She goes, well, not if you didn't tell him. And I said, well, what do you mean? And she goes, well, you're creative, right? And I said, yeah. She goes, well, you like people coming over to you and telling you that you've done a good job, right? And I go, well, uh, yeah. And she goes, well, he's just the same as you. He, he'd like you to give him a compliment. I said, well, look, I've nailed it. I've, I've done it. You know, and she goes, well, you should go and tell him how much you love the, the thing. I said, I've done it. I've done my bit, right? So now I'm in this thing where it's kind of like I'm stood there. It's really awkward because he's just completely blanking me. And, uh, and, and, and he's just talking to Ben. And I'm trying to sort of like go, this is the guy I was telling you about, you know? This is Ben. He's the guy. He's the guy in the band that I was. But this is, this is the guy. But, and I'm. But he won't even look at me, right? And I'm like, this is so. This is so awkward and weird and embarrassing. And um, and I'm like, oh god. Uh, and then eventually, there's a moment. I go, this is the guy. <laughs> and he looks at me and he goes, uh huh, like I'm an idiot. And I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> oh. And then he finishes with Ben, and I'm just like standing there as well, going, "He doesn't even know who you are, mate." <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Outraged at this. Bruce finishes with Ben, and then he's just about to walk, and I go, and I go, uh, "Oh, just to say as well, I thought the show was great." And he goes, "All oh, right." I said, "Yeah, I mean, it's everything that we've all been waiting for for 25 years." You know? He goes, "Okay, cool." And I say, "And, you know." I think it's even better than Briscoe County Junior, right? Which is his cowboy, for, uh, his cowboy show, which got cancelled in the mid-90s, right? Mm. But I know because it had loads of horse riding and outdoorsy stuff, that it's the, one of his favourite things that he's ever done, right? And, I, and I've got it on DVD, and I've watched it, and I loved it, right? And I say, and it's even better. I think it's even better than Briscoe County Junior. And he looks at me like I am an absolute piece of shit. He looks straight through me right like to the point that i am chilled and he goes ha like inquisitive but 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 disgusted he goes ha and then walks off and then that is that and me and ben <laughs> look at each other and ben just said he did not like you. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, well, what did I do? And I was so pissed off because I nailed it. You know, mm -hmm. I nailed it the first time. 
and I doubled it. Oh, wow. I mean, I'm, I'm glad you got to meet him. And I mean, you got one hell of a story. <laughs> I, I, I did get to meet him, but I couldn't watch Army of Darkness or Evil Dead again for years and years. And then when I watched it on film four, I finally felt like I got over it all and it was fine and I could watch it again. And yeah, and I've forgiven myself and I've forgiven him and it's all all right again. We're, we're bringing this uh, fictional film festival together. We're planning a bunch of events around it. What's your optimum cinema screening of this film? And have you actually seen it in the cinema before? Never seen Army of Darkness in the cinema. I think I had tickets for a Prince Charles movie, you know, triple bill thing. I was ill or I didn't make it or something. I think I emailed them to say what cut of the film. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm not going to sit through Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2 just to get to Army of Darkness and find out it's the... US theatrical cut. So this is your first screening. In theory, you're planning this. How would you like to watch yeah. it? Is it going to be a classic sort of Prince Charles type cinema? Do you want to take over a, a, a medieval castle uh, somewhere? Do you want to? Do you want to have any sort of activities beforehand that link to the film? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Get to the no. movie. I've waited 25 years to see it in the cinema. I want to turn up, watch the film. No one talks to it, and then uh, I want to. I want to. Probably the best cinema experience I've ever had was when I went to see Texas Chainsaw Massacre at the ABC Cinema in Covent Garden in 1997 or 98 when it was still banned. It's almost like my memory is sepia and. The carpets were orange and red and brown and it was a very 70s feeling cinema and I think it's like the sort of place that you could probably smoke in you know so maybe something like that or on the flip side screen one at the BFI on the South Bank is my favorite cinema mm. I don't think my mum has ever seen it and I don't think my, my my family have ever seen it so I think as maybe a screening would be to sort of like show my family this film and to say this is who I am do you know what I mean mm. If you don't understand me, if you don't, uh, if you feel like you don't get me, then you watch this film, and this is everything that I love in a film. You know, it's not everything I love in a film. That's a crazy <laughs> thing to say, but this is certainly it's a lot of lot to do about my sensibilities and my sense of humour. It wouldn't be with a bunch of uh, geeks with you know polystyrene chainsaws and stuff like that, but it would be, it would be kind of like a screening for like friends and loved ones and family and stuff at a nice cinema and you go to, but then that's making it all about me isn't it this is your screening that's absolutely fine oh do you know what then when i've got a captive audience i'll screen it at my funeral and then because i've seen it enough <laughs> but i think funerals are probably the place where you actually show uh chairman of the board starring carrot top and uh, you play robbie williams music and it's just like it ruins it for everyone, you know. <laughs> no one wants it. Oh, I can't listen to him anymore because he always makes me sad. So, but yeah, maybe my my ideal screening of Army of Darkness would be projected on my casket just before I get burnt, just before I get incinerated. Like I go, this is this is who I was. <laughs> it won't just be like a thought, you know. It will be me uh, having pre-recorded it saying this is who i was in my hollowed out body it's been filled with animatronics i will i will point at the audience and say shh listen this is a good bit <laughs> you know we'll pre-record some some bits for me my body my rotting <laughs> for my rotting corpse at the side of the screen to kind of like make sure that everyone's paying attention <laughs> <laughs>
Or we do like a cinema paradiso where you project it on a wall. Uh, during these times of corona, from my flat window, we'll pro I'll project it on the side of a building and our whole, uh, our whole apartment block will lean out the windows and watch it and, uh, and it will bring our community together in times of uncertainty. Oh, that's a, that's, that's a, that's a lovely thing to do. <laughs> a community screening during lockdown. Yeah. And then we'll do Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 and they'll have to watch it because it'll be projected on the side of their building. It's a whole video nasty sort of archive. <laughs> then we'll do Driller Killer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we often ask if you can invite one special guest to the screening, uh, who would that be? Although that might change in the context of it being at your funeral or, or currently during lockdown. Uh, anyone in the world? Oh, my mum. But that's that's easily doable. <laughs> Maybe it'd be Bruce Campbell, and I'd be like, "See, I do like you." <laughs> but I'm sure he's seen it enough as well. But you know, what? I'd really love to meet Sam Raimi. I think he's incredible. Like, I think he's incredible. Like Bruce Campbell gets a lot of the glory. Mm. But Sam, Sam Raimi, because he doesn't have like this showy persona. Absolutely, he doesn't do enough. He doesn't do a lot of sort of talks or, or uh, sort of public events either. So it'd be a good chance to catch up with him, see him on stage. I think Spider Man Three ruined him. I think it took a. I think it took a lot of his enthusiasm for what he was doing out. But um, it's, it's saying something though that when he made Oz the Great and Powerful, it's essentially it's a remake of Army of Darkness. It's got a guy that turns up in a strange place, mm. and he has to fight a witch i mean it's not like there's there's been stuff written about on the internet where it's like a side-by-side -side comparison of army of darkness and oz the great and powerful and you go yeah he just basically remade his own film well there we go what a what a what a screening army of darkness joins evil dead 2 which is already in the festival courtesy of uh, past guest joe cornish nick where can people find you online see what you're up to well what am i doing i've just cancelled a tour and two bits of telly so <laughs> what am i doing online oh i'm working on an album so i might be able to release that during times of corona it's not going to be called times of corona though. uncle's on netflix so if you haven't seen uncle watch uncle on netflix uh, all three seasons are up there loaded's on netflix uh, my short films, Elephant and Killing Machine, are on iPlayer, and Eat Your Heart Out's on Dave. I've got all of all of that stuff, and I'm doing a new album. But I can't get to a recording studio at the moment, so we don't know what we're doing. That was brilliant. Oh, thanks so much uh, for talking to us, Nick. Well, thank you very much for talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think I needed it more than you. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Please subscribe to the show on your podcatcher of choice and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. As an independent podcast, it really helps. And we're also available on 90minfilmfest.com. That's 90minfilmfest.com. You can contact us there or on Twitter and Instagram at 90minfilmfest. Send us a tweet, tag us in a post, let us know what you're watching. We'd love to hear from you. The show was produced by Louise Owen and me, Sam Clements. The show is edited by Louise Owen, with sound mixing and additional editing by Luke Smith. Our music is by Martin Austwick, and our artwork is by Sam Gilby. We are a proud member of the Stripped Media Network. Please head over there and check out the other fantastic podcasts. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. Goodbye! We're a proud member of the Stripped Media Network.
this is all this is all gold. 